Let's continue for a short while longer on the Word of God. And we'll read from the 16th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, beginning with verse 13, and we'll read through verse 26. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, starting with verse 13. First, I'd like to bring you greetings from the children of God in Ironwood. When they heard we were coming here, they wanted to greet you with the peace of God, so receive that from them. And we read in the Lord's name. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, that whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time forth began Jesus to shew unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee hence behind me, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. And then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Amen. Who do you say that the Son of Man is? You know, this scripture was written at the time that gives us the setting of on the coasts of Caesarea Philippi and Jesus talking to his disciples, and it's a nice story. We think of the times that Jesus was with those followers of his, and it surely was a blessed time when they were able to be in the hearing and the teaching of Jesus. And wouldn't we like that today also? If we would be able to sit at a place and hear words exactly from the very mouth of Jesus himself as he would speak unto our hearts. But we live in a different time and we live in a different age, obviously. And so we are here, but remember we're not alone. That God has said, as this word has even told us, that he's going to leave unto us that word. And those words which are spoken in the power and the authority of Jesus' name are those that we can believe even come from the same mouth that is of God himself. And so the setting that we have here is one that is not familiar to us at all because it's so far removed. But you know, we're living in this time today, and that's all that matters. 
That's all we're here to think about and to talk about is you and me and God. Because even though it's a good example and we have much learning from what happened to the disciples, that is not your salvation and it's not my salvation. But our salvation is something that is either resting within our hearts today or it is something that we do not have at all. And so we have to ask ourselves this same question, that question that Jesus directed unto the disciples. But who do you say that I am? You know, this is a question that men from the beginning and even unto this day and unto the very end of time would like to slide by and not have to answer. Because it's not just a simple answer to this question, but it is one that makes us search inside of our heart. And to give an honest answer, because remember, this is being asked by none other than the Lord of glory himself. And you might be able to lie to people in our lives. You know, we can do that. We can get away with it. But we know one thing, we will never be able to lie to God and to be free from it. Because the scripture tells us there's coming a day when every one of us is going to stand before God himself. And there if we have done those things which are wrong and they are not covered by the blood of Jesus, those things then are going to be brought before us and then we will have to make account of them. How much better it is that in the time of grace, the time that we live in today, that we are brought to a place within our own hearts, that we search inside, and we examine, and we ask this question, and we find the right answer to this question, that who do we say that Jesus is? Jesus begins his questioning of the disciples when he says unto them, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist. Well, we know that John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus. And he came and he preached a strong message. John came and he spoke about the sins of the people. And the people were convicted in their hearts. And they were brought to a place then that the message of John the Baptist was from the beginning. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But Jesus wanted to know that what do people say that he is and whom do they say that he is. And do you know Jesus as he really is, or do you know Jesus as John the Baptist? You know, there's a lot of religion in the world today, and it's not only all, all over, but many times within our own hearts, that we know Jesus as only John the Baptist. But was John the Baptist willing to take the honor of the Lord Christ himself and to keep it for his own? But remember what he said. He said, there's one that comes after me. that is preferred before me. In his shoe latchet I'm not worthy to unloose, that I baptize you with fire unto repentance, with water unto repentance, but he will baptize you with fire in the Holy Ghost. And this is the matter that Jesus is here speaking unto these disciples about, and Jesus is speaking to our hearts about today. The matter of the baptism of water or the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. For when, if we only know Jesus as John the Baptist, well, John the Baptist, as we said, preached a message of repentance. And he spoke unto the people and he told them that they must repent. And repentance, of course, means changing of ways. 
a changing of your mind and a changing so that you would go on a different course. And we can hear this in all the religious world today, much of the religious world today. That you can listen to Christian radio, and I've, and I've listened to it, and I've heard the message from many of the speakers, and this isn't a broad brush condemnation of it, don't get me wrong. But many of the speakers speak of this matter, and they say, change your mind today and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you been able to do that? To change your mind so that you would be able to believe upon Jesus? We can change our minds and start to go in a different path. And we can change and repent in our lives and start to walk in a different direction. But how successful have you been in that walk of repentance? How successful have you been when it has demanded of you nothing but perfection? Because a changing of life means that you would change and that you would never go back to that which you formerly were in. I must confess, and I'm sure each one of us that are honest will confess before God today, that when we have changed our own mind and we have tried to walk in a different direction, perhaps we have been successful for a short time. But at some weak moment in our lives, we will find that we get to the place that we fall into sin. And then what happens? That condemnation comes back upon us, doesn't it? I remember this experience as a young child, and I'm sure many of you do today. And maybe there's some young boy or girl here today that has been taught in the ways of living Christianity. And you've been told that there are ways that you should walk that are right and to abstain from those things that are wrong. And that's a good teaching that you have received. But you have found that you have, in your walking, you have found that you're falling again and again. And it seems that so often that you walk under a dark cloud of condemnation and that there is no hope. And there is no refuge for your weary soul even today as you stand before God. This text does not leave you in that place. It says not, do not remain at the teaching of John the Baptist. But there is another teaching that is hidden in the scriptures. But it is not a matter that we are able to only look upon and read it and say that, well then, now I will decide in this matter. It's not that. It's a different type of a matter. And if God wills, we will get to it. Other people said that he was Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And so it is today that, you know, we can talk about Jesus, and there is much talk about Jesus. There is much preaching about Jesus, but the true and living church does not st stop at talking about or preaching about Jesus. When we look in the book of Acts, in, and I believe it's in the 8th or the ninth chapter, we find the story recorded about the Ethiopian eunuch and its conversion, and his conversion. And we remember, and we're not going to go through this in detail, because time does not permit. But he is in his chariot, and he's reading the scripture found in Isaiah 53. And as Philip then was instructed to go and speak unto him, and he found the place in the scripture that he was reading, Philip asked him, do you understand what you read? And he said, how can I understand unless some man guide me? And he read the place in the scripture, it says that he was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? He had the very word of God. That speaks, of course we understand, of none other than Jesus Christ himself. And how he came and took the sins of the whole world. He took our sins. 
But this man didn't know what this scripture was talking about. And what does it tell us then? Philip opened his mouth and he began at the same scripture, the same very words that the man did not understand. And it says that he preached unto him Jesus. He didn't preach about Jesus, but he preached Jesus. But I ask every one of you that have come to a pulpit, every one of you speaking brothers that have been in this place, are you able to preach Jesus by your own strength and by your own understanding? And that's something, you know, when we sit in those benches and we're asked to come up here, <clears throat> we pray and we sigh unto God that, Lord, would you reveal yourself unto your children? Because within our own hearts we find that it's not there. Not that the Lord doesn't abide, but that power to be able to take the word and to speak it. No, that word only comes by the power and the inspiration of God as we stand in this place. And so that's why we ask that blessing. So it's important that we do not only know about Jesus and who he is, but the important thing is, do we know him? For we know then that he is not just another Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But then Jesus took this question and he didn't ask the people anymore that who do men say that I am? He now said unto them, whom do you say that I am? And you know, that's the question that's directed to every one of us today, isn't it? Who do you say that Jesus is? And who do you know him as? And I can't answer that for you. You know, the person sitting by you can't answer it for you, your wife or your husband. Children, your parents aren't going to be able to answer this for you. This is the question that you have to ask yourself today. You individually today. Who do you say that Jesus is? And what does he really mean to you? Simon was bold and he had an answer. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Such a simple statement would seem that something that anybody could make. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. But do we understand what is contained in this statement of Peter? Do we understand that when he said that, that he acknowledged who Jesus was, that there was none like unto him, that this was the Messiah, not speaking about for the whole world, but this was the Messiah, the one that came to save him from his sin, him and his own personal sin, because remember, that's the problem between man and God, isn't it? It's sin. And whether we like to acknowledge it or not, every one of us stand in that place that we have to do something about our sin. Because as it's so commonly spoken, you know, it's either on our heart and conscience or it's buried in the sea of grace. And that, that's a true statement. Today, as we sit here today, your sin is in one of two places. And so what have you done about that? Well, what do we do with the sin issue then? What's the remedy for it? The matter that Jesus wants to teach unto these people here is that this is a gift of grace that he's speaking about. This isn't something where we just change our mind and we start to go on a different path. Well, I think I'll change jobs. I'll go and get a new job. Or I'm going to buy a different car. Those are earthly and carnal things. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about an eternal matter here. He's talking about the matter that determines whether you will spend eternity in heaven or in hell. Peter had the right answer and he spoke unto him, Thou art the Christ, 
the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. You know, we're not supposed to base our Christianity upon experience. But experience is something that we go through in life, isn't it? We all have experiences. And even though they are not what Christianity is based upon, they are that which is required through life so that we would experience living Christianity. And so we all have a testimony of what we have experienced on the way to eternal salvation and what we have come to know. Briefly, I remember in my life when Jesus was John the Baptist unto me. When my intentions were good and I tried to walk as a child of God, but I found that there was so much failure. And all the things that I tried to do, it so seemed so quickly that the devil was able to come upon and he was able to overcome me and I was pressed back into that same spot. And I walked many years in this type of a condition, putting away sin and promising to be better, hoping to do a better job of that which I had intended in the beginning. But you know, it all came to a place of failure. Until that moment where it speaks of here, when it says, Flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. When the matter was opened up, that it wasn't any more in my good intentions at all that would save me from the condemnation of hell. But there was this one man who came into this world. And even though I only knew him as a man, the scripture revealed that he was none other than the Son of God. And that he had gone to Calvary's cross. And as he had hung upon that cross, he had looked upon me. A weak and off stumbling young person trying to do my best in life, but coming up short all the time in my effort. And he had looked down upon me from that cross, and he had said, Father, that man right there, he needs my forgiveness and I will die for him. This is the matter that Jesus needs to reveal to every heart, that it was for you and for me that he came into this world, that it was for your sin and mine, personally our sins, that he was nailed to the cross of Calvary so that we would be able to believe today. And why can we believe today? Because He was victorious in His death. He was victorious and when He died on the cross, that as it was from the beginning of the time, the head of the serpent was crushed. And so then victory came upon all of mankind if we would only be drawn and believe upon this blessed Word of God. It is in this matter that we are able then to be God's people. It is not by your effort, it is not by my effort, it is not by our good intention that we will one day enter into heaven's glory, but it is none other than the redemption of Jesus, the redeemed as we are called. There we will be, enter into that, be able to enter into that heavenly homeland because Jesus has provided a way of salvation. Is this your treasure today in your heart? Do you have any other refuge, even this morning, where to turn? other than the Lord Christ and what He has done for you? Is there any other place? I don't believe for God's people there is anything. We have nothing to boast of our own. We don't go around and say that how good my life has been at this point. We don't go around and try to get plaques on the walls of all the things that we have done. 
But we have to humbly bow before the Word of God, and we bow at the feet of Jesus. And we say that, Father, we're so thankful that you were merciful unto us, and that you revealed your Son unto us as you revealed him unto Peter. And you showed Peter that this is, that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And this is the matter that we all need to know. It is not something that we are able then. sometimes we think that he's telling Peter that I'm going to build the church upon you. Well, we, don't, we can understand clearly from this text that he's, it's not that way. Because it's not that many verses down further. He tells him, he almost calls Peter Satan. So we know that Jesus does never builds his church upon anything that is of man or any man. But it is built upon a rock and that rock is Christ as it's testified right through the scriptures. And so he says, thou art Peter and upon this rock. Well, what's the rock then? Well, the rock is Jesus, but not only just that it's Jesus, but it's the revelation of Jesus. Because that's what he was speaking about just prior to this. This is the foundation of living Christianity, that Jesus reveals himself unto his people. And that he shows himself unto his people, so that they are able to believe upon him, to have faith placed upon something that they understand clearly and see, which is none other than Jesus and his work. Well, we've begun on this travel of life then, and we've experienced living Christianity through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Are you going to make it to heaven? Or are you at a place in your life that you've understood that Jesus is yours for salvation, but, but that, that now, now this rest of this journey is up to you? How sad it would be if we had to believe that we have to walk this journey of life under our own power now. And that God, you know, He saves us at this point in time. And then at the end of the journey, He's going to stand there and see how good we have done. And when we're going to come into the finish line, He's going to look upon us and say that, well, you've made it or you haven't. You have been good or you haven't. No, it's not that way. He says that this church is one. This church that I will build, He says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Can you believe today... Dear weary traveler, perhaps who has walked upon this pathway of life for years and years, and you wonder if you're going to make it to the end of this journey, can you believe that the gates of hell will not prevail against this church? This church that you have been enclosed into, this church that you have been purchased into and that you have been sealed by the grace of God, this is a church then that is going to be unto the eternal shores of heaven. The gates of hell do not have power over Jesus and His church. Well, why can we say this? It's only for that reason that we understand that hell was also defeated. When death is defeated, then also hell is defeated in the life of the Christian. And we don't have to go through this life fearing hell anymore. But with that assurance of knowing Jesus in our heart and walking by faith with Him every day, we can believe that hell is a place that we do not have to go to. And that in this fellowship with Christ and then in the church that we have, that we go on day at a time. Day at a time and God grants unto us that faith. 
so that we are able to be preserved. The other night a brother told me that it's important that we pray to God that he would preserve living faith within our hearts, and I think that's important, that God would preserve us unto the end of our journeys, for it is by God that we are kept and preserved. Then he speaks and he says, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He charged his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. This word of ministry is left unto us now. Because Jesus isn't here anymore. Not in person, not in body. But Jesus is gone, he's risen from the grave, he's ascended into heaven, and we are here now. And he says, I leave you this treasure now that I have given unto you. This treasure that I have given unto you by revealing my Son unto you. He said, this is something now that I want you to speak into this world. Because that's how people are going to be saved. Well, how did you become saved? It's the same way, isn't it? We heard. We all have different circumstances and upbringing and situations of life. But if we're believers in Jesus Christ today, it's for one reason, that we have heard the word of God. And we're thankful, even as we look upon this group today, that there are young people and parents with children who are raising their children and bringing them to the hearing of the word of God. Because it is by this that faith is born into the heart. And it's by no other way. You know, when we have been raising our family and I have watched the children growing up, And when they're young and they're innocent and they're obedient, it's such a blessed time. And I'm not saying it's not a blessed time when your children grow older. But oh, it's so hard to watch how the devil starts to tug at the hearts of the young people, isn't it? Especially your own children. And you wonder, you wish that there was a time that you could take your children and you could set them in a place and say, now I'm going to put living faith into your heart so that you don't have to struggle in this world anymore as I did. I'm going to place it within your heart so that you're able to believe, dear child. And that would be so nice and it would be so simple. But are we able to do that? Not even as parents are we able to place living faith within the hearts of our children. As parents we are dependent upon God and we pray to God daily for our children that He would grant unto them eternal life and that He would bless them with the blessing of eternal life. And how it is that when a child, even especially one that perhaps goes wayward, perhaps they're in his teen years or early 20s or whatever it may be. And then when they start to, that word that was planted as a little child even starts to work and to germinate within their hearts. And we start to see a little bit of God's work within the heart of one of your own children. How the heart of the parent rejoices when he sees that there is something, that that seed has started to germinate and it's started to grow. It's starting to bear fruit unto eternal life. And so I we pray that each one, because we understand that this word is just left, we speak the word in truth and purity. God bless us that we would be able to do that, so that this living word would find, even within the hearts of our children, find a place of lodging and spring forth unto eternal life. From this time, Jesus then, he reveals unto him, these people, that there's a matter here. It's not only the revelation of Jesus Christ, but there is the revelation of something that is specific in the life of Jesus Christ, that is important for, for salvation. Verses 21 to 23 speak of those. And it says, From this time Jesus began to show unto his disciples how he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed 
and be raised again the third day. Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee hence, get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Jesus' face, as it says in another place in the scripture, it was turned towards Jerusalem. Jesus' purpose from the very beginning of his life here, even before the creation of man, I should say, but especially his life here on earth, was one that he was always faced towards Jerusalem. And why is that? Because there was a place there where that was needed to be fulfilled, which you or I were not able to do. You or I in our sinfulness, in our sin, need someone to come and place, be in our place and to be our substitute in death. And that's what Jesus speaks of here. Because of the curse of death that came upon every person, Jesus then starts to reveal this matter. It's not just the revelation of me, but it's the revelation of my redemption for you. It's my revelation of what I have done for you. And that's why I say that this is a matter that we all must answer. And this is a matter that is a sin matter. And this is a matter then of the covering of sin. That's what the whole gist of the Bible is. From the beginning to the end, it speaks of the fall of man and the redemption of God, how He has provided redemption and then how men become partakers in it. And today then, this word, we understand then, as the brother has already spoken from the book of Corinthians, Paul's letter to 1 Corinthians, as Peter said, Peter said unto him, that, Lord, this doesn't have to happen to you. It seemed like he wanted to brush this away. And I think it was with a good heart that Peter looked upon Jesus and he told him that these things should be far from you. He wanted to look upon him and say that, Jesus, you're such a good man. You're such a good man that you don't have to go and, and die and have these things happen to you. You're such a wonderful person. You've done so many miracles for us. You've been so good to us that these things don't have, have to happen. But you know something, it's for that very reason that he had to go. That's why he had to go to Jerusalem. Because there was only one good one. The rest of us have not sought after God. We have turned our, our faces far from him. There is only one that has done good. And so on that day, on that Good Friday, when Jesus hung upon the cross, it wasn't a matter then of the many millions and millions of people of all of creation. But it was the matter of one good man that became a total sinner. It is the matter of Jesus as he hung upon the cross and he took every sin of every person through all of the time span that there will ever be and it was placed upon him. You know what was included in that? Yours and mine. We're also placed upon the Lord Jesus. And it says that he died for them. Is there someone here today that's not able to believe? there's someone here today that's wrestling with this matter of your sin and what you will do with it, this is the place that it has to be focused upon, is the place where God's wrath was satisfied so that he would look upon you no more in wrath and anger, but that he would look upon you in friendship and kindness. Because Jesus took our whole sin burden. He took it all away from us. And then he asked us to come unto me now, Come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden. He says to come and learn of me. 
Well, what does he want us to learn of? Learn of this matter exactly what we are speaking about. This is the matter that he wants us to know, is that in him we can find that there is total forgiveness for all of your sin and all of my sin. And like I said in my life, when I struggled for that period of time, as Jesus being John the Baptist, and I was not able to correct my life, but when Jesus was opened before my eyes as the one who has washed away all my sin and that has died in my behalf so that I can be a believer even today. It is not, not anything that I did and it wasn't a time that I picked. But it was at the revelation of Jesus at His time and for His purpose when He opened up and He revealed the matter that your sin debt, your total sin debt, is washed away and that it was nailed to the cross when Jesus died. What a matter this was for my own heart when I was by, with the eye of faith I was able to see that I was a child of God. And you know what happened? The, the doors of heaven, they just swung wide open. The doors of heaven swung wide open. And the doors of hell, they closed tight. And I was able to believe, even for my heart, that I was a child of God. And there was no other place that I was able to turn with this joy and this peace in my heart was to thank Jesus that He had done such a wonderful work in my behalf, that He had given His life so that I could be a free child even today. As this meant that there has not been problems since, so there's been many struggles, there's been many trials. But you know, now I have come to know one, one who loves me with an undying and enduring love. And He has come and He has wrapped His arms around me. He has picked me up so many times when I have fallen. He has carried me so long that even unto this day I am able to believe I am His child. Even though there is so much sin and so much corruption that we carry within. This is the testimony of a child of God, isn't it? I don't think this is foreign to you, believers, that we walk along and that we're carried by Jesus and that He carries us to the end of our journey. And so it says that Jesus says, and he turns Satan away, and he says, this is a matter, get away Satan, you don't have anything to do with this anymore. But this is the matter of the salvation of my children. This is the matter now when I'm going to take and keep them unto eternal life, and so we are kept in him. Because Satan is an offense unto him, and he's also an offense unto us. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those things that be of men. Jesus said unto his disciples after he had spoke of this matter, He said, If any man will come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited, if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Once you've come to understand this, once you've come to understand the forgiveness of your sin, what in the world is there that can compare to it? Is there anything that you have found? I know in my life I haven't, and I'm sure you would say the same thing. There is nothing that comes close to knowing Jesus as my Savior, to knowing that my sin death is covered and that, I'm, that I've been purchased for all eternity, and that one day I'm going to enter into heaven to be with Him. And that's what happens within the child of the believer. We are no more fixed upon those things that are of this life. But our gaze is turned towards heaven. And even today, as the children of grace, we are able to do that, right? We, we even look from this moment on, right now, when we are able to see that there is a heaven before us, where we will be freed from the, all the trouble and trial of this life, and that we are going to be with Him for all eternity. We all look forward to that day. That's going to be a wonderful gathering. 
Well, how does this happen? Jesus saves us by his redemption. But we also find in the book of Galatians, Paul writes that what will we glory in then? He says that I will glory in only one thing. He says I glory in the cross of Christ. For what reason? He says that because in glory, he said in the cross of Christ, I am crucified unto the world and that the world is crucified unto me. This is an amazing matter that was just recently opened unto my heart. I am so slow of learning. But when this verse was opened unto me, when it said, Paul said, that in Jesus, in His redemption, and what Jesus has done for me, that I am crucified to the world, and also that the world is crucified to, to me, it's from both sides then, that Jesus in His redeeming power, He takes and He takes the, even the glory of the world away from us, and that he, we also die with Him to the world. So it's twofold death that takes place. And so then, that is why we are able to say, is there anything in this world that compares with the knowledge of Jesus within your heart today and the forgiveness that He has given? Is there anything that compares? There's nothing. Because in Jesus and what He has done, in the victory that He has provided, in all that He has revealed and shown unto us, these things become foreign and they become dead. In that glory of what Jesus has done for us in His eternal blessing and life. And so I ask today the same question that we started this text with. Who do you say that Jesus is? And I hope that within your heart, even as I am able to say, and am I able to say it because of anything of my own knowledge? No, it's not because of that. But it's only because of the revelation of Jesus Christ himself. But I am able to say that Jesus, thou art the Son of God, the Son of the living God. And I have found in you my only hope and refuge and love, that which is able to sustain me to heaven, and that I, in this place I want to remain all the days of my life until I leave this cursed earth and I go to that glorious place in heaven above. I'm sure that's your thought also, brothers and sisters of faith. Even, we, even though we live in different localities, the children of God have the same longing within their hearts, and that's to be with Jesus in all eternity. And you know, he'll keep us unto that time when we remain in him. And may he bless each one of you in your midst. And also we ask that you would remember to pray for us, my family and, and Sharon and I and our family and, our, and the other Christians there in Ireland, that we would be kept and preserved. And we will also try to remember you as fellow travelers on this pathway to eternity. And we ask this all in the name of our Lord. Amen. When we began our service this morning, we prayed that God would minister to each one of us according to our spiritual needs. We have heard two sermons, but the message has been one and the same. Do you know Jesus? God alone knows what lies before each one of us. God knows that the end of the world is nigh at hand, Jesus is going to soon return and the times are going to be perilous. The times are perilous, but I believe they're going to get worse. God knows that of ourselves, we are not going to finish this race and receive the crown. We heard, man is not to glory in his own wisdom. He is not to glory in his own strength nor power. He is not to glory in his own riches. What is he to glory in? We heard the Lord delights in this, that we understand 
and know the Lord and that we glory in him. Raise him up before all men that all might behold him whom God hath sent for us, namely his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our strength. He is our wisdom. He is our all in all beloved. This is the message that the Lord has spoken to us. May he press it deep into all of our hearts. Shall we pray? Gracious Heavenly Father, we at the close of this service humble our hearts before thee in thanksgiving. Thanking thee for this thought-provoking message. Thanking thee for this message that causes us to search our own hearts. Do I know Jesus? Is he by faith living and abiding in me? Am I trusting in him solely and my only hope of life and salvation abides in him? Father, we thank thee for remembering us and ministering to us in such a manner that we would be led to think on these things more seriously and soberly. And now, Father, we we thank Thee for the food that has been prepared. And as You have so abundantly fed us with the bread of life, we ask that You would bless this earthly food to the nourishment of our bodies, so that even physically we might be strengthened for the work of Thy kingdom. Bless all of us to that end. And now the Lord bless us and keep us. The Lord make his face to shine upon us and be gracious unto us. The Lord lift up his countenance upon us and give us peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.
My heart rejoices to see all of you here this morning. I'm just thankful that I can be here with you. You bear with me, I have several announcements here. First of all, some wedding announcements. Mr. and Mrs. James Kaiser and Mr. and Mrs. Mark Matson invite you to share in the joy of the marriage uniting their children, Julianne and Kyle John. This celebration of love will be on Saturday, the 13th of November at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Seventh-day Adventist Church, 561 Southeast Commerce Street in Madras, Oregon, in reception following ceremony. With joyous hearts, Sarah, Barney, and Vernon Matson, together with their parents, invite you to share in the joy of their marriage on Saturday, the 20th of November, 1999, at 6 o'clock in the evening, Hawkinson Apostolic Lutheran Church. If unable to attend, we ask your presence and thought in prayer. Reception following in the church parlors. And Sarah and Vernon have asked you all, encourage you to come early, and they will have an organist here to begin playing the organ a half hour early. So I encourage you to come early. I have a letter here from the Western Mission. The Western Mission will be conducting its annual meeting on November 27th. The main purpose of the annual meeting is to discuss the areas that the mission will serve in the upcoming year. This letter, therefore, serves two purposes. One is to inform the churches where the mission has sent ministers in the past year, and the other is to request information that may be helpful to the mission board in making decisions for the upcoming year. Areas that the Western Mission has served in the past year are as follows. Alder Grove, North Vancouver, Vancouver Island, Fort Fraser, and Sorrento, British Columbia, Denver, Colorado, Butte, Montana, Belden, North Dakota, Orchards, Washington, Sanger, Pioneer, Paradise, Sacramento, and Los Angeles, California. In addition to sending ministers to these areas, the Western Mission has also sponsored radio ministries in the Longview, Washington, and Portland, Oregon area. As the geographical area currently being served by the Western Mission is very large, the Board is not always aware of any particular area for consideration. Your input as to any particular congregations or individuals' need, needs would be greatly appreciated. The Western Mission Board would like to take this opportunity to thank you for your support in the past and pray for your continued support in the future. May we continue to be subject to the will of God as the day of grace is still upon us. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves, teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. 2 Timothy 4, 2 through 4. In behalf of the Western Mission, Bill Wilson. And I have a note here from the Firm Foundation Christian School. The board of the Firm Foundation Christian School wishes to thank the members of the Hawkinson congregation for the offering which was the school received last Sunday. Financial donations and volunteer labor will be especially appreciated now that the site development is nearly completed and the building project is about to begin. 
We ask that you would keep this effort in your thoughts and prayers and that the Lord will build this house. Otherwise, we labor in vain. Thank you. For our schedule this week, we have Bible study on Wednesday evening at 7.30. And next Sunday, we have Sunday school at 9.30, service at 10.30 with Holy Communion. And for today, we will have service this afternoon at 2 o'clock. Lord willing, Brother Earl Carla and Monty Bollitello will be our servants this afternoon. And then again this evening at 5.30, and Brother Jim Johnson and Bob Mackey are scheduled to be our speakers. And after the evening supper, we will have a young people's gathering at probably around 8.30. We have dinner for everyone now. Everyone's invited to stay for dinner. We would like to encourage all the visitors to go down first and the older people and us younger ones can wait until later. And we'll try to be back up here by 2 o'clock. It might be a little tight in time so we can get done in the kitchen, but uh, we'll try to be here at, at 2 o'clock. And then this evening, after the evening service, we will have supper for everyone. And we do have a little coffee break in between, and I just would want to encourage everyone to stay here for the day. While we close with song number 448, we will have a free will offering for the benefit of the gospel.
Now, one, uh, one announcement that I did forget, and that's the Senior Citizen Bible Study, which will be at uh, Ernie and Phyllis Cousy's Stoves on Friday at 10.30. And there is a lesson that they will be studying from the 24th chapter of Matthew, beginning at verse 36. Everyone is welcome. You don't have to be old. <laughs>